constantly move forward. There's a continuing and urgent need for higher education. It's necessary for tomorrow's future and for a dynamically changing workforce. As the need for education is changing, so is education itself. Welcome to Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education with your host, Dave Goldberg. In this program, we'll discuss the complex changes that are being made to higher education today, and we'll help you stay ahead of tomorrow. If you're a student, educator, or in the workforce. Now, here's Dave Goldberg. Good day and welcome to Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. I am Dave Goldberg. I'm your show host and BigBeacon.org is an independent nonprofit organized in 2012 to help transform higher education, particularly engineering and professional education. In every episode, we explore some of the innovators and innovations that are changing the world of higher education all around us. And you can tweet about the show, ask questions, or make comments about the show at hashtag Big Beacon. And today, we're fortunate to be joined by uh, Nancy Lee Sanchez of the Kaplan Educational Foundation. Welcome to the show, Nancy. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, it's great to have you. And and uh, uh, We'll talk about some of the good work that you're doing, but uh, Nancy, we'd like to get to know our guests uh, a little bit better. You're your executive director of the Kaplan Educational Foundation. You've been a higher ed leader in the community college sector now at uh, uh, at Kaplan, and and um, and you're an import you're an author of an important book on college transfer. But um, let's go back in the time machine or back back to the log cabin or wherever we need to go. And um, what were some of the early influences that put you on your current path? Well, Dave, I just want to say I'm so delighted to be here because it's Martin Luther King Day. What yeah. a way for us to really uh, couldn't provide greater context to the conversation about community colleges and access. So um, let me just start out with that. Um, I I come from Puerto Rico. I was born in Puerto Rico in a very tiny, tiny little um, uh, town called Las Piedras, which means the rocks, which implies that we were really up in the mountain. And uh, I was surrounded by people that were very engaged in conversations about politics and government and our relationship to the U.S. And so I was always around uh, people. We were all very poor um, in terms of finances, but we definitely had an interest in everything around us. And when I got to the U.S., or I should say to New York City, in 1985, uh, I felt like we were all muted. I remember there were 13 of us in an apartment and uh, ranging in ages from my nieces who were probably, you know, eight years old to my uncles. And we really didn't feel that there was much we can do. Uh, we didn't know a lot of about the organizations around us and how we can um, really access them. And College education and education were never really discussed. We kind of were riding the wave of whatever we were at, elementary school, high school. Mm. But we really didn't feel like there was a direction. And um, I felt very lost during that time. And I remember having... other people in Puerto Rico that were going to university and and uh, in my life, and I just remember kind of that dream being lost and me thinking that I would just work. And but I started to see how that that was going to lead to just us always surviving. And almost I saw myself growing old with thirteen people in the same apartment <laughs> forever. And yes. um, I didn't want that. And and so. Community college, for me, um, offered an opportunity to really 
start dreaming again and to start to have a conversation about my life. So um, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, how and and yeah, so this uh, you used uh, some interesting language around uh, uh, muted and being in conversation back in Puerto Rico and then coming to this country and and um, almost not being as as in part of the conversation. So I've always and, thought of education as a tool for change, right? Uh, uh, yeah. You and I and. We said, well, whether it is that we want to change engineering or whether it is we want to uh, contribute to the arts or simply, you know, for many community colleges or for many people in four years is to attain yep. jo- a job and all of that. Yeah. Um, for, for, for me, that was uh, totally muted. I just didn't know who to go to, who to talk to. My high school was just not discussing that, you know, providing yeah. us any information. And so I was, the only thing that I could think of, to be honest, was where was I going to get a job and who was going to hire me? Um, and I knew I didn't have many skills, so I knew I worked hard. And so I felt like that was something that um, I, I, and I saw it in many of the people in my family, that they had long given up on big dreams or dreams at all of financial mm. Um, gains through education. It was almost like I just am going to work myself to death in order, and I will do whatever possible for us to provide for ourselves. But that aspiration of uh, passions, or, and that was long gone. And I, it terrified me. That's really what Yes, yeah, so I'm hearing. Yeah, so I'm hearing. Yes, yeah, so I'm hearing this. It's really a story of retreat, and but, I'm, but it's a. But that's the life you would have lived, and it's not the life that you lived. And so how? So, given that background, given the the um, the beginnings in the mountains, and then coming to this country and the being muted, somehow uh, the mute button got hit, and and you're not muted now, and you're speaking. And so, how how did what were what were who were some of the you know so, so there, and it sounds like it was pretty severe. It sounds like it was you were you were shut down, and so something opened you up. What opened yeah. what what opened you up along the way? It was Kingsborough Community College. I mm. was attending a class at night. I wrote uh, a paper about Rosie the Riveter, and I wrote something about how I always saw the women in my family as Rosie. And my professor came into the classroom and said, did you write that paper? Are you Nancy? And I said, yes. And he said, I want you to write more. I want to hear about what uh, your opinion about the other topics. And and he shared the paper with the class, and I was heard. I was, <laughs> I, I have, wow. it still brings me joy. It was this sense of feeling heard and feeling that I didn't have to read something and repeat it, but he wanted to hear my opinion, right? Um, it wasn't just about me telling him about who Rosie the Riveter was, but it was what I thought about her. And so that really began for me a sense of this, this, this college here is changing my life. And then the, uh, the people that were around me in community college were so engaged in learning and thinking. My professors asked me about my, what was my opinion. And once again, I felt that I can contribute to a conversation, but also propose answers for, um, for solutions, for issues in the community. 
And so that really drove me to then, it's like I thought about, you know, then a doctorate is down the road, um, then a master's is there. And, and I started to aspire towards those things. And I started to see myself from a very different lens, but also the people around me that looked like me, that had many of them had children, many of them mm. were working two jobs like me. And here we were as prop people that could create change. Imagine for somebody that's just surviving, working two jobs, and now you are asked, what are you going to do? What are you going to change? Why doesn't this make sense? What this theory on psychology makes sense to our community? So imagine, I, I, I mean, I was given a toolbox of inquiry, of, of, of thought process, and, and from there I took it. Wow. And, and, and then my usual next question is specifically about... Um, unleashing experiences, but it sounds to me like we just heard kind of a, a, a very important unleashing experience. In, in the book, A Whole New Engineer, Mark Somerville and I talk about the need to be more systematic about unleashing people to have them have the courage to do things that are that they wouldn't otherwise do. And so you just told this beautiful story of you're writing this paper and being heard and that, that uh, allowing you to write uh, not... Uh, Giving you permission and encouraging you to write more, and you were and you were heard increasingly. But um, yeah, are there other points in your career that you can point to where someone? And a lot of times we talk in terms when we speak specifically about these unleashing experiences. They often involve uh, someone trusting us, and then us having the courage to do something that we might not otherwise have done. Can you can you think of other times in your career where you were unleashed to do something that was scary or took some courage to do? When I was hired to be the director here of academic advisement and um, student development, yeah. I, 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 we, I came in in 2016 when the Kaplan Educational Foundation was founded. I mean, we were really developing. Um, uh, the board gave me and the ex- executive director gave me the direction to develop the academic advisement piece. Mm. And I remember um, one of the board members saying, you know, we're going to be offering students the opportunity to apply to any school, but don't take this lightly. We can't throw money at the problem. And um, he said it's the easiest thing that we can do is write a check in terms of a scholarship, but if we think that uh, we're going to bring community college students to four-year institutions in the selective spectrum mm. and then develop them to be leaders by just throwing money at the problem, uh, just know that we're not going to achieve our goal. And to be honest with you, as someone who always worked in limited resources, I, I ended up working at Kingsborough Community College. Yeah. Um, I, I, I understood exactly what he said. Um, but to be honest with you, I was so happy that for the very first time, there were so many resources that I had, I really had to step back and say, really, what are the things that we are going to provide? Well, how are we going to distribute those fun- that funding? Mm. And I remember suggesting to the board that we provide a stipend because the research indicates that students that work more than 15 hours a week take much longer to graduate and also are not able to engage in, in, in leadership activities and the development of skills beyond 
what they're teaching in the classroom, really developing the whole student, which I know you're very interested in through your, through the book, uh, A Whole New Engineer. And so it was that sense of how do we develop that person mm. fully? And we came up with a stipend, a monthly stipend. And to me, when the board said yes, and, and many of them said, that's what I would want for my own child, that they would not be in survival mode, that they would be able to focus. Um, I started to see that uh, I needed, that we had limited funds and that we really needed to push institutions that make sure that the, the entire need of the student was met. And so that pushed me to analyze the four-year schools even in a different way. How are they really funding the student? Are they looking uh, to develop that student fully? to also provide opportunities intellectually to be the best human being and to apply whatever it is that they're learning from a very humanistic and improvement way. And so it was kind of, that really changed my life because for mm. a while there, it was one of those people who said, oh, yes, you know, an Ivy, a top school, highly selective, feeling very good about that. But, but I, again, I was so happy that the people around me were pushing me to think deeper than that problem because they also knew that you couldn't just throw money, that you couldn't just pick a name of a school, that it had to be a lot of work to support them to get there, to do well while they were there, while they were there as well. Yeah, so I'm so the the challenge of greater. I'm hearing the challenge of greater resources challenged you to think more deeply about the problem and come up with something that might actually uh, that connected with your under understanding and um, and and its acceptance. Um, yeah, there was some risk. Be- there, it was kind of a blank, more of a blank sheet of paper. So, and 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 let's talk a little bit about the the foundation. You're executive director of this organization, um, uh, the Kaplan Educational uh, Foundation. Uh, what uh, what should our listeners know about about the foundation and its mission? Sure. So, the Kaplan Educational Foundation was founded in 2006. So, we're around about 11 years. Our mission is to bring is to bring uh, low income students from low income backgrounds from historically underrepresented uh, backgrounds our, uh, to uh, leadership positions by providing them the opportunity to attend top uh, four year institutions in this nation. We recruit from community colleges. Uh, our focus is how do we bring a community college and prepare them and, and support them to transfer to these institutions. Uh, we work with four-year institutions to make sure that they are aware of the rich diversity that exists, that exists in community colleges. We also work with other organizations to make sure that um, they are developing the resources to also support students in leadership, such as Phi Theta Kappa, Honor Society, Yep. Uh, we work with um, uh, Jack and Cook Foundation to make sure that students are aware that there are scholarships. And so that's really our mission. Yep. It's, it's how do we all work together, four years, community colleges and community organizations, to make sure that students have choice at the point of transfer, that they're not just looking at the schools that are in the nearby area or within their consortium, that they really can make a choice. 
And um, you know, when you um, so I've read in your book, I believe it was uh, that when you read the mission of the foundation, that it was like poetry to you. And and you've told us a little bit about your journey to become the executive director, but uh, or may, maybe poet laureate of the mm-hmm. of the foundation. What um, um, how how'd you how'd you end up on top? What how did you end up uh, being the 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 director? So you. You started with yeah. the, the community college. You were in uh, Kaplan uh, as an advisor. Tell us about that journey. Mm-hmm. Well, my journey really started from um, I consider myself an advocate and, and of, of my community and the students um, and making sure that there are many opportunities for, for us to advance. And so when I started and I developed the program, um, I pushed for, to really build uh, along um, with my predecessor a strong relationship with four-year institutions. And um, what I found was that many of these four-year institutions were very interested in what we were doing. They wanted community college students, but they didn't know um, how to really access them and how to really support them. And um, I developed really strong relationships with those institutions. And at the same time, I worked with community colleges in the New York City area to help their students apply. Mm. I recognized that just saying that we have a scholarship and a leadership program wasn't enough. We needed to really encourage our students and allow them to have a lens of dreaming big. So going back to your question, the poetry part of our of our mission is that it says dream big, but in survival mode, it's very difficult to dream big. You're just mm. surviving. And so um, luckily, I, I was uh, able to really kind of branch out of that advisor role and really develop a lot of partnerships when my predecessor, Jennifer Ben left, um, the board said, we want you to continue to develop um, the program, uh, the Kaplan Leadership Program, but let's also think wider. And so that's where um, I decided to, I really suggested that we do a transfer initiative program, which is to open up to uh, to provide uh, workshops to community college students in in the area about transfer and then to also publish the guide that we just published in, in 2017. And well, and, a, yeah, and yeah. let's uh, actually need, we should uh, take a little bit of a break, but let's, um, sure. um, you just published the 2018 Guide to College Transfer that you just mentioned. Why don't we, uh, in the next uh, segment, why don't we start there and talk a little bit about the book and, and some, some of the ways in which you've got helpful advice for students and parents uh, about uh, making effective transfer. How about that? Looking forward to it. Yes. Great. So this is... Uh, Uh, Big Beacon Radio and our special guest, Nancy Lee Sanchez. Stay with us, and in the next segment, we're going to talk about the book, The Your 2018 Guide to College Transfer. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you want greater success in bringing change to your university, college, department, or classroom? Are you looking for a keynote speaker to inspire your organization with stories of transformative change? Would you like to boost your own academic, business, or technical career? 
Let David E. Goldberg of 3Joy Associates help. David is a leading speaker, author, trainer, and leadership coach with experience in helping bring successful change to educational organizations and education and technical careers around the globe. To learn more, call Dave Goldberg at 217-621-2645. Contact him at deg at 3joy.com or browse the 3Joy website, www.3joy.com today. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Big Beacon Radio. If you'd like to call into the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. 5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to deg at bigbeacon.org. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back to Big Beacon Radio. Our second segment is sponsored by 3Joy Associates Incorporated. Get the training, coaching, and change leadership facilitation to help transform yourself or your educational organization or institution. And we're um, back with Nancy Lee Sanchez from the uh, Kaplan Educational Foundation, and and uh, we're just talking um, uh, with Nancy before the break about the foundation, and uh, we just started to, to say a little bit about this book, Your 2018 Guide to College Transfer, and um, as a author myself of uh, books. I know that book writing is time-consuming, requires commitment, and um, we usually underestimate how long it's going to take and and um, how big a deal it is. And uh, so usually it's got to be about something that's pretty important. What, what made this project uh, important enough to take on? Well, you know, I, I travel across the U.S. to speak to the four-year schools as well as to students and in conferences, and I found that um, while the work that we were doing at the Kaplan Educational Foundation was celebrated in our ability to graduate our students out of top schools, yep. I feel like we were just putting a tiny Band-Aid and proving something, that is, that community college students can thrive and succeed and be leaders, and that... Uh, by the way, we picked students of all ages, uh, different backgrounds, meaning uh, someone who has a child, some, a veteran, and things. Um, and, and we weren't looking for the 4.0 student who was doing everything in the community college. Um, and so in, in doing that, I started to see that it was such a need. And because we're focused out of New York City, one of the things that I wanted to do is share what we had been doing for the last 10 years. And while we wrote our articles and put information online, it just wasn't getting out there. And we wanted to make sure that there was a guide, a comprehensive, one-of-its-kind guide that says, these are the 90 schools at top in the nation, and these are their policies. And these are their policies for admissions, for financial aid, for housing, and this is why understanding those policies and being an educated consumer of education is so important. And um, we felt that that was a, a way for the Kaplan Educational Foundation to widen its reach, to really increase its impact, and at the same time address other subgroups that are underrepresented. Uh, 
Specifically, we've wanted to provide information for veterans that have served this country and oftentimes want to return to college or want to start college, but they may not think about all of the options out there. They are leaders already, a proven leadership record. So why should we not give them the opportunity to look at a wide range of schools? Uh, For DACA and undocumented students, I have to tell you, Dave, every time I did a presentation to students, three or four people would stand literally in the shadows, and when I was about to leave, they would come and say, look, I have a 4.0 at the community college. Um, I have a 3.8, I've been working really hard, but I am not documented. My visa expired or something like that. And so I wanted to provide information to them to make the best decisions possible. Also for single parents or for married people with children who had great aspirations, have children now and felt like they wanted to go back, but again, didn't have a lot of choice. And so the only way that I could see that we could do that was through this guide. Um, and, and it was published along with a lot of information on how to make the process less um, expensive, uh, really considering the timeline, how to be competitive, what to do before they transfer. And all of that information is here so that students can, have, uh, to, can really make decisions based on accurate information. Yeah, and that's um, yes, and and um, and that's so um, interesting. I, I guess you know I spent some time earlier in my um, career as a professor in the dean's office as an assistant dean, and a part of our job was um, to do the process of articulation between the University of Illinois and all the community colleges in the state. Now I know there's uh, East Coast versus Midwest. In the Midwest, we have all these very large and great public institutions in the East Coast, it's less the case. I mean, there are public universities in in New York, but the a lot of the role of, um, of major elite universities on the East Coast is taken by um, by elite private um, universities. but but you know what's the I, I guess I sort of lost track of the magnitude of the college trans of college transfer, you know how um, yeah, how many students? Uh, and I guess yeah, I guess the other thing, and I think about this country, and compared to say other countries I've been to, the community colleges are such a great. Uh, you know, this, uh, I've heard it said this is a country of second, third, fourth, and fifth chances. And and uh, but in other in other uh, countries, you get tracked at a very young age, and you either make it into university or you don't, and that's it. Uh, but uh, here, uh, it seems like community colleges are the locus of second, third, and fourth, and fifth chances. Um, but yeah. uh, do, you, do you know? Yeah, you must know some of the statistics about how many how many people yeah. are going to community colleges and so forth. So you know, there there are a total of of a thousand one hundred and eight community colleges in the nation, and that's a big number, right? That's that's a pretty big number, and and especially when you think about it in terms of the population that attends, and I don't think people realize how many people really attend community college. So, and I'll give you just some stats on this, but for all U.S. undergraduates, 41% attend a community college. So, take that into consideration. But it is a gateway specifically to underrepresented groups. So, for Latinos, for example, close to 60%, 56% of 
of uh, uh, Latinos that access higher education access it through community college. And mm. we do have to understand that completing a bachelor's degree is very significant. Uh, an associate's degree is very likely to yield higher income very early on than yep. a bachelor's degree. But that quickly dissipates, right? And you start to earn less and less, and there is very little uh, room for growth. So a bachelor's is so important. Unfortunately, 81% of low-income students that say that from these are from low-income um, backgrounds, yep. first time, say that they want to transfer, and only 25% actually transfer. So think about that. Yeah. 100 students walk in, 80 say, I want to transfer, only 21 actually transfer. And from there, only 10 actually uh, achieve that bachelor's degree. That, to me, is what I call leaving talent on the floor, right? Leaving potential on the floor. It's really not pursuing somehow the community college, the four-year, we're not doing, we, we can't blame it on them, Right. We have to really look at our institutions and, and see what it is that we're doing. Now, going back to your question about uh, sure. articulation agreements, one of the things that I have found is that sometimes universities get very caught up. It becomes a puzzle, a riddle, right? What, what is, how are we going to transfer chemistry 101? What we have found is that the simpler that it is done, it's, it's best. If you think of the many private institutions across the U.S., they really don't have articulation agreements with community colleges. Um, yes. What exists is just we are going to look at your transcript. We're going to look at the syllabus. We're going to say what you have learned and apply it here. And our students, most of them get um, if, if close to 60 credits, if not most of the time, um, I would say very close to that in, in terms of their, cl- their courses being um, uh, accepted because there is a discussion about what was learned rather than trying to do it in volume, but rather doing it with accuracy, right? And I do understand that big uh, university systems such as City University of New York need to create these agreements and kind of think about that. But oftentimes I say the best solution is just looking at the student's transcript, looking at the syllabus for the course, and for a registrar, an official to make a decision about whether that student has learned what is written on the transcript. And then that student can continue. We make it very complicated when it doesn't have to be. Well, yes, and and uh, um, uh, you know, and well, anyways, that's that's probably a conversation for another day. But it it does seem as though you know one of the one of the things that's so interesting is the way in which uh, technology and and uh, the Kaplan the the uh, the the for profit side is in the business of of uh, testing and and certifying and and. And uh, things like competency-based education and trying to um, standardize what people learn or standard or, or figure out assess uh, in in uh, systematic ways what people learn so that they um, can move on and that we can have these smoother interfaces between these uh, different institutions. It, it seems to me we have we live in this web-based world and we've got all this technology and we've got universities that are in some ways stuck back in the uh, 12th century in terms of uh, processes and 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 uh, and and it seems to me that a number of the kinds of ed tech startups and the kinds of things that people are trying to do are in some of these these uh, 
and not the least of which is is uh, the mother, you know, Kaplan's mothership and trying to uh, certify people. Um, but but I think that's you know that that's that's sort of beyond what we're we're talking about yeah. um, here today. Um, you say actually, so that's going back to the book. Um, um, from the students' perspective, you say that sometimes the students themselves are, you know, so this, uh, what it sounded like, the overall statistics, like 10 out of, uh, uh, was like, it was like one in eight or something like that made it to um, the degree if I, if I did the overall statistics right. And, and, uh, and so sometimes the, the students are their own worst enemies and, and convince themselves that they can't do it or won't yeah. won't be successful doing it and you so you say there are a number of myths or misconceptions around uh, around transfers what are um, can you give our listeners a couple of the, sure. the the biggest myths or the the ones that are that are most in the way of students themselves the number one myth and this is one that I held on to very closely was that I didn't have the money to apply to a four year school that was private. I just mm-hmm. didn't have it that I could, I mean forget about actually getting in i I thought I was out of contention because I didn't have the thirty five now seventy five dollars to apply to a school. The reality is that and and that if I could get a waiver, it would require for me to show taxes. It would require for me to show or to demonstrate that I had uh, was a recipient of some um, social service or something like that. The reality yeah. is that asking for a fee waiver today to apply to a four-year school is as simple as you asking for it. Is you writing a note saying, I cannot afford to uh, pay for this fee, can you waive it? Uh, we haven't had any problems in the, in the last 10 years. Uh, students apply on average to 10 schools each. I have to tell you, we've probably paid twice. And it has been, uh, I wish I could say that we created this complicated form to get these waivers. It's really a form that says student cannot afford this. And the student can write it himself or herself, or someone can write that note on their behalf. So just thinking about that. Um, I also think that many students believe that they will that having attended a community college or transfer from a four year shows that um, they somehow uh, don't know what they're doing. Show that for the community college, they may feel that they don't have the academic background or ability to prove their critical inquiry and therefore they shouldn't apply that nobody's really going to take them seriously in a pool of applicants. For the four-year student, they may say, well, I'm transferring. Is this going to be seen like as an error, right? Is this an error? I want to point to one, um, one graduate who, and who is a transfer student from a four-year, and that is our previous president, um, uh, President Obama, who was actually a transfer student who transferred from Occidental to uh, Columbia University. Um, there are many others that have uh, transfer, and we have to kind of think about that, that removing the myth, the first myth is the belief that you, that, that, stay, that sitting in your four-year school or in your community college um, and saying, I need to move on and do something else is actually something that you should either not aspire to, and if you do, you're a failure. Uh, you sometimes, you somehow are giving up on the current degree. So it's a mindset that we have to change. It- oh, that's interesting. So, so, um, so yeah, actually, and 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 that's so. Um, 
foreign to my cultural background and family upbringing. Uh, you know, if I I was a, I, w- I was a failure if I didn't apply to the uh, to the to the to the schools, and so and I understand we're talking about exactly these kinds of uh, um, these kinds of differences. It's sorry, it's it and and when I read that in your book, I said, well, uh, I said, is that is that the case? Really, people are not applying because of these these admission the uh, application fees and mm-hmm. you're telling me that they that they that they weren't but they can and they will oftentimes be waived and that that's as simple as that as simple as that if i had um you know a, a kind of my own big dream today again mlk day you know okay. we're thinking about dreams i would have a campaign to tell every single student that if you want to apply to a private institution that you should op- that you should have the confidence or no or, or almost the the yes behind you saying yes you can apply for a fee waiver and the fee waiver is simple just ask for it like really that would be my campaign well, ask for and, a fee and, waiver yeah that one's that one's and that one's pretty straightforward the other one i mean the 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 whole issue: Am I worthy uh, enough, and can I make it? And uh, that, uh, but I actually I heard the way you s- you said that actually was was a little bit different. That in some sense, the sort of um, it almost sounded like going from a two. Okay, you've got the two year degree, you've mm-hmm. got the associate's degree, and going for the four year degree is a. Bet- I heard it as a betrayal of the of the two year degree almost, and almost like you were. Almost like you were sort of going, be- I mean, like you're sort of going beyond what's possible for you, and you shouldn't, you shouldn't even try or something. And did I hear? Was well, I hearing that right? Well, well, well. I think there are two parts to that. To clarify it, I think that yeah. for many students, just think about the student that's going to pursue a nursing degree, or thinking about the student who's really focused on a career base, yeah. and they find themselves having an associate's degree, or like me, I did my associate's degree is in early childhood education. Um, I was celebrated by my family because they saw me working in a daycare, working as a teacher in a daycare. You know, I didn't have the credentials or the education to get me to be a certified teacher. And so it was a sense of like kind of reaching a a moment and then going, especially for me, that I was financial need was so high with very little safety nets. And then deciding to continue, it was like almost like having to take a deep breath and again going underwater for my dream, right? Mm -hmm. Like holding my breath and saying, no, I have to continue. Whereas I could have really just, you know, stay with my associate's degree, work some things, but I had to almost stretch the dream, you know. So so it's less than what people's perception are of you, but for me and for many of our students, is you know, well, I have my nursing degree now, I can work and I can get this, but do I really want to pursue to become, you know, an RN and kind of um, uh, registered and all of that, getting the full credentials. I tell my students, you guys are such hardworking, hard uh, many of you speak multiple languages, many of you really yeah. will be able to, to, to connect with your patients or with the people you're serving, so you will, you will get a job. You will be, but, but we, I want to make sure that you can lead in that job, in that organization. Now, I think that... Yeah, but again, let me just, yeah, let me hop in, because yeah. I, so the way, and I want to make sure I, I, I heard sure. it right, because the, uh, the 
the cultural differences. And so I was hearing it as that. So, you know, you get the two year degree and, and you get the job and it's like, well, that's almost beyond, you know, that's so good. That's such a good thing. And yeah. being able to earn a good income from the degree is, is like an achievement beyond other people's mm-hmm. expectations of you. Exactly. And, and it's- to go further and to, to, to take the breath and to even go to, to dare to go further, you've actually achieved quite a lot. And to go further mm-hmm. seems like push, almost like pushing your luck or, or tempting the fates to kind of, um, strike you down or something and and it, it's the the fear the fear is um to not it kind of accept the good things that have come your way and to dare to go further exactly exactly you yeah you you're absolutely right i mean just uh, I, I would like to think of those numbers that you know again 81 percent want yeah. to transfer 25 do actually only 10 percent turn a bachelor's degree there's a lot of uh personal decisions and internal drives that have to be pushed in order for you to continue. Uh, again, let's celebrate the associate's degree, let's celebrate a, a, a certificate degree, but make sure that we kind of are thinking beyond that, that and that four-year institutions have to understand that to recruit those community college students to support them, they have to think about those fears. They have to really prize that student's associate's degree. You can't not accept their credits. You can't yeah then kind of make those fears come true, kind of say, well, you have to repeat all of your courses or, you know, and yeah. we're not going to think about all of your family responsibilities. So we're going to package you. We're going to package you, you know, in a very limited way. It's mm. thinking about the full need. You are bringing in someone who has college experience and let's value it. We need to take another uh, break. And I, I, I think uh, we'll start and give you a chance to say another thing or two about the book. But I, um, as I was looking at your background and the things you've done, I, I think we should spend some time on the Kaplan Leadership Program. I think our listeners will be interested in that. How's that? Thank you. Yes, that's great. Uh, Big Beacon Radio, a special guest, uh, Nancy uh, Sanchez. Stay with us, and, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the book and, and about the Kaplan Leadership Program in the last segment. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Do you want greater success in bringing change to your university, college, department, or classroom? Are you looking for a keynote speaker to inspire your organization with stories of transformative change? Would you like to boost your own academic, business, or technical career? Let David E. Goldberg of 3Joy Associates help. David is a leading speaker, author, trainer, and leadership coach with experience in helping bring successful change to educational organizations and education and technical careers around the globe. To learn more, call Dave Goldberg at 217-621-2645. Contact him at deg at 3joy.com or browse the 3Joy website, www.3joy.com today. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Big Beacon Radio. If you'd like to call into the program today... 
please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to deg at bigbeacon.org. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back to Big Beacon Radio. Uh, Our last segment is sponsored by the book that is Transforming Higher Education, A Whole New Engineer, The Coming Revolution in Engineering Education at WholeNewEngineer.org. It's not just for engineers anymore. And we're uh, back with Nancy Lee Sanchez from the uh, Kaplan Educational Foundation. And Nancy, we've been talking about your um, talking about your book, uh, Your 2018 Guide to College Transfer, and, and we were talking about um, some of the reasons, some of the myths, and some of the reasons why uh, uh, students sometimes talk themselves out of transferring, um, or some of the ways in which even an application fee can um, um, can get in, in your way. And I, I was just reflecting on our conversation, and, and so much of what we wrote in A Whole New Engineer seems, in a certain sense, distant. But I, I was thinking about it from an emotional perspective. It's the same stuff. I mean, this whole, it's its the same, um, a lot of what's not working in engineering education has to do with worthiness and wholeheartedness. I'm a big fan of Brene Brown's work. And, and we're talking, even though we're talking about two very different cultural perspectives and kind of different family upbringings and, and uh, probably, his, you know, education histories at the end of the day we're we're talking about whether um, people uh, about worthiness and whether people think they can go further and whether they have the courage to go further at root comment absolutely absolutely i mean i think that you know resolving or, or when we're talking about access and when we're talking about leadership development i think we can discuss access and inclusion and all of that without really thinking about leadership i'm i am passionate about making sure that it's really helping anyone meet their highest potential and so we if we're thinking about bringing in more students from underrepresented backgrounds. It's not just about kind of running them through the mill. It's how do we create a system? How we do, we, do we engineer a system of education that really makes us make sure that that student is very good about what the, their skill set uh, in terms of whatever it is that they are learning in the classroom? But really, what is, what is the contribution that they will make to humanity? Are they going to leave that um, area in a better situation, are they going to resolve the world's issues? Are we going to to really uh, work together to make sure that then they go they, that they also pull others forward? Education has to be all of that. It doesn't matter whether it is that you're pursuing an engineering degree, an English degree, a sociology degree. Everybody that is involved in higher ed has to be thinking about how do we all come together to make this a a, a world where we are really meeting everybody's highest potential, or at least trying to do that. Opening the door is not enough. Yeah, and and, um, that feels like a natural point to transition into talking a little bit about this uh, thing called the Kaplan Leadership Program. And so as part of your uh, duties when you joined the uh, foundation, uh, you, you helped design and launch the uh, Kaplan Leadership Program. What, what, is, what is that program? Well, the Kaplan Leadership Program uh, takes in seven to ten um, community college students from the New York City area. We work with them for four years. So at any given year, we're working with about 23 to 25 students. 
And we're basically preparing them to develop the best profile at their community college. We'll meet them where they are. Uh, they range from the age of 18 to 34. Mm-hmm. They um, come from different backgrounds. Um, some of them are single parents, some of them are veterans, and we work with them to make sure that they are taking full advantage of the community college and their community to develop their leadership skills. Um, and then we help them apply to four-year selective institutions, and that is um, schools like Stanford, um, Smith, Mount Holyoke, NYU, just thinking about the broad range, women's colleges, Schools sure. that they may ne- never considered. And then we, while they're there, we provide them with coaching, leadership coaching to make sure they're taking full advantage of that institution. Uh, and we connect them with the right people on campus so that they know that they're fully supported. We provide funding, a laptop. We take them on campus tours. We give them uh, leadership development in terms of, you know, introducing yourself, but also how to empower yourself so that when you walk into that four-year school, you're ready to take on the challenge. Yeah, so the, so yeah, so the topic of leadership development is near and dear to my heart. So and and uh, I'm always interested in the particulars of how leaders are developed and how different people develop leaders. So you know what what kinds of things um, what what would you say are some of the distinctive features of how you help develop um, leadership in these in um, well and not they're not I was going to say these young people but some of them are not so young but they're these uh, com- uh, com- community college transfer students so we work on uh, unlike other leadership programs by the way in my life I have been a part of uh, yep. many organizations that sought to help me but for us we really focus on what is the academic you know how to stretch you academically and how to become a leader within that. So how to really expand your reading, how to really work on your critical thinking inquiry. Financially, it's how to reach the resources, but also how to look at your resources and manage them so that you have control and don't feel like you're in survival mode all the time. Family and community is important. So knowing your history, really learning about yourself, being current and cur- uh, with current events, m- making sure that you know what's happening in the world, but that also you bring it into your life and how it affects your family. To me, that gives relevance to what you're le- learning in the classroom. So feeling co- connecting your learning, your academics to your family and community and how you can create a difference by becoming very good at that is important. To me... That's really what a leader is. And, and, and the third one is really for, for the student to develop um, uh, communication um, skills and writing skills that are really going to allow them to communicate what they need, what they are doing, and their aspirations to the world, both in the academic arena, personally, um, and in making sure that they find they needs, their needs, but that they also go out there and have the words to ask for what it is that they need. Yeah, now how, so I'm particularly interested in the communication skills that you just mentioned. So what is it that you, you know, how do you, um, so they have, so the students will take classes where they're required to write. That's in the classroom. What does, what does the leadership program do with them to develop their their communication skills what what kinds of do you, do you have like sessions with them or is it one-on-one is it cla- yeah. are there classroom like sessions what do you, what is it that you do in particular 
We meet here and every every Friday, and we have workshops where we mm. really get them to what I call group dynamics communication, how to be a part of a group discussion, how to listen to others, how to do your research, and then how to give your opinion in a way that is respectful of everybody's opinion, but where you also are able to express that. We also do a lot of individual work with individual uh, reading assignments and writing assignments, and um, we really engage our students in conversations about current events every Friday for about two hours um, where we get to say, well, how would you say that opinion, but in a different way? How would you, what are some stats that you would need to back that up? But also, how would you show compassion towards that person that is saying something that you may find, um, you know, uh, hurtful, but to kind of try to understand them and how to then try to uh, educate them on how to even educate yourself about something that you don't agree with. So we really run the gamut of uh, both in the individual and group sessions. That, and that's and so that's while they are in community college and then they go away to the four-year uh, school and how how do you work with them while they're at the four-year school to help to say help ensure or backstop um, um, there I'm sure there are challenges in uh, in going from the community college to the four to the elite four-year school what uh, what kinds of interventions or things do you do to to work with the students that are at the four-year school? So again, following what we were uh, the, the our board members really said, we need to create an environment where our students feel supported all the time and where they have yep. safety nets. And so, I, so what we do is we are available to them. Um, an advisor is available to them 24-7. Trust me, we get phone calls at 3 in the morning. And, <laughs> you know, I'm leaving the college. I'm done. Many parents get that mess, get that, get that uh, call yeah. from a student. <laughs> but so we want to be there to say, I understand you may want to leave, but just sleep on it. Let's talk about it in the morning, and and let's you know, let let's find a solution to that. So we always are there for them. We take them on. A student cannot accept an offer unless they have visited that school. We visit with them. If you think of someone who comes from a more privileged background, they're doing a tour, mom is there, dad is there, grandma is there. We want to create an environment where our students feel supported from selection all the way through. And we go to their graduation. Uh, we celebrate their successes. If they get an, a particular award, we, we congratulate them. We encourage them. Um, and we continue to provide them emergency funding so that they know if something happens back home that they can come home. Um, we, if, if your gla- glass is broke and you have no money for them, we provide that, which has happened. If your computer blows up, we will look for a computer for you. <laughs> Again, yeah. just think about those little things that will derail anyone. And imagine one, a person with little to no resources. Well, I, I, I have so many more questions and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and respect and admire what you're you're doing, but I'll give you the last uh, word. Uh, I've got about thirty seconds left. What uh, what would you like to uh, uh, leave our listeners with? What would you like them to know about what you're you're doing that you haven't said so far? Well, our guide, um, which is your 2018 guide to college transfer, is available on uh, on Amazon. We also have a, a resource. Uh, a free resource, uh, free resources. You can go to our website, KaplanEdFoundation.org. But I'm happy to let you know that in preparation for this, 
show, we were able to open up our um, um, Kindle edition to be downloaded for free. So I want to make, and it will be available for free all the way through the end of February. We want this guide to be in the hands of anyone who is dreaming big and who sees transfer as a possibility to do that. Um, and it is, it, it's there now. We just checked, so it's available. Please go to our website, kaplanedfoundation.org, or go to your guide to college transfer.org um, to get the free resources and access a free copy of the book. Oh, what a generous thing to do. And thank. And uh, so, uh, Big Beacon Radio listeners, go ahead and get your copy of, uh, of, of the book. Nancy, I, I want to just... Uh, uh, admire what you're doing. Hope hope you can figure out ways to scale it up to the um, to a larger group, and and want to encourage you to keep on doing what you're doing. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for happy for having me. Thank you. Been listening to Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Special thanks to our guest Nancy Lee Sanchez from the Kaplan Educational Foundation, and thank you to the foundation help transform higher education, help unleash a new generation of innovators by learning more at bigbeacon.org. Join us next week, same time, same channel, in our quest to transform higher education. Thank you for tuning into Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Please join Dave Goldberg soon for another edition. Listen every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For additional information about our programs or to find out about the next show, please visit bigbeacon.org. We'll talk again very soon.